Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. So, what are we going to talk about today? Children, youth, young at heart, we are talking about, and we will learn about, the altar of incense and prayer. So we're going to start, we have our our Torah portion, which is Exodus chapter 30. We have our prophet portion, which is Malachi. And we've got our New Testament portion, which is Luke chapter 1. So we're going to go Torah portion, prophet, and we're going to end in our Luke portion. So I have a few sidebars first. Something that I saw today I wanted to mention to you. So this is the calendar Ralphie was talking about earlier. Notice in the right-hand corner here, it's the 4th, right? That's today. But it's also the 14th of the Hebrew month. And on the 14th of the month, which is halfway through as the, as the day is ending, you've heard me say that as I observed and watched the heavens, as the heavens did its thing and its cycles, that Abba showed me that on the middle of the month, when it's really a full moon, the sun will be on the horizon and the moon will be on the horizon together. They only do that one night and one morning in a whole 30-day cycle. So here's what, what time is it? In roughly an hour from now, this is what you'll see. The sun is on the horizon. Notice the time here and the date up here. You can see the sun here on the horizon, and this is west, okay? Got all that? And then looking east, you can see the moon is on the horizon. Here we are east. Here's the time and the date. It hasn't changed as it was in the previous slide. So tonight, the 14th, the sun and the moon are on the horizon. It's showing you your beginning, the full moon, the middle of the month. God laid that there. You can't mess with it. Man can't goof with it. It's on a cycle. It's righteous. It's holy. It's set apart. He ordained it, and it's going to obey what the Master said, just like all of you are doing. You're obeying what the King says. So I love it when we see things that cannot be manipulated. Man can't change it. It's on a course that's ordained from the beginning. So just wanted to share that with you. Okay. And I, th- I may have another slide. I can't remember. No. Okay. All right. So let's look at Exodus 30, verse 1. The word for incense is ketoret. You can see the Hebrew word here and the, the, um, the key number that's associated with it. And you shall make an altar to burn incense on it. Make it, in case you would. So this altar is gold-plated, Acacia wood, remember it said that it would not decay. So the wood in here doesn't decay. It's, <laughs> it is uh, morally pure. It's got gold all around it. It's reflecting everything that's inside this area here. The light from the menorah is burning and it's bouncing off of that gold and it's probably very Hard to keep your eyes open because it's so brilliant inside this room. But the key is of this incense that we're going to cover here today. And you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the witness, just as he's doing here, before the lid of atonement that is over the witness, where I am going to meet with you. We talked about this is the place where he is known, where he is met, Because what's inside that ark is the commandments, and that's where you know him. People go, well, I don't know him. Well, you didn't open your word up, and you didn't read it. Are you praying? Does he know you? And Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense morning by morning. And we talked about last week when that morning time is. 
The morning time is 9 a.m., the exact time that Yeshua was laid on the cross. And this evening time is 3 p.m., the time that our Master dies. And I said last week that he is putting his offering on the cross at the offering time he asked you to bring an offering, and he's dying at the same time he asked you to bring the other one. So he's, he's observing his commandments as he expects you to do. He's not doing anything different. That's what I like about him. We can trust him to not change. He's going to be the same. All right. And if you have questions or comments, raise your hand. The microphone will make its way to you. And when Aaron's lights... Okay, go ahead. I just was curious. Um, what kind of incense did they burn? So it's, it, it's... There's a... Wasn't it last week we read about the... the no, it's this week. So we're going to get into the, the items that are in what's burning. Okay? So it's... I. I counted four or five, but there's a commentary that's uh, an ancient commentary from the sages back in first century that claims it was 13. But uh, the key thing is, don't make it like that and don't try to burn it because it's set apart for this purpose and that purpose only. Okay? Okay. Yep. Thanks. Yes, hand up back here. Wait for the mic. You're on verse 34 of chapter 30. It gives that. 3034? Um, yeah, 3034. Okay, so it's going to be in next week's then. Okay, all right. He's going to burn on the sweet incense morning and by morning. He's going to tend to the lamps. He shall burn incense. And so here we're going to see a picture of what that's going to look like. So when Aaron lights the lamps between the evenings, which is 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., he shall burn incense at the same time. So at 9 a.m., he's lighting the lamps, he's burning the incense. 3 p.m., he's tending the lights and he's burning the incense. And it's only until Christ comes, right? Hmm. Forever. That's what it says, isn't it? If his word doesn't change, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's saying it's throughout your generations. It doesn't stop. I'm even glad that his word is eternal. I think I remember a, a passage that says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but my word, what? Shall stand forever. Yes. Go ahead, Jenny. The microphone's right there. I'm kind of curious about something. It says he likes the lamps. Keep it close so I can hear you. I'm kind of curious about something. It says he lights the lamps between the evenings. Does that mean, more, is he saying morning and evening, or is he just saying that um, there's certain hours between that? that so this that's... is, my interpretation is straight up is an even time, horizons are even. So if I'm going to look at, at, well, look this way. So if I look at horizon and straight up, what's between these two points? It's 45 degrees out that way, and when you look, that's about 3 p.m. Same way would be 9 a.m. is about halfway between 6 and noon. Okay. Um, it says the Ark of the Witness. Why does it just say Ark and not Ark of the Witness? I, I don't quite understand that either. This is the, the altar of incense that's before the Ark. So it's in front of the veil that's in front of the Ark. That's what this altar of incense does, is. Yeah. As you can see in the picture, the, on the other side of the veil, that is the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. The Ark of the Covenant is the Ark of the Witness. So, so the ark of the, the the ark of the testimony is where the commandments are, where the cherubim are. That's where that is. Um, where do you see ark of the witness? It was on there, the page before. So the ark of the witness is the the where the commandments are inside the uh, um, inside the ark. Yeah. And that's a witness. That's the, you know, it's a yes, witness yes, before. It's just a different way of expressing it that I'm not used to. Okay, no problem. We're here to learn. So it's going to be continual throughout your generations. Let me ask you a question. Can we do this burning the incense right now? Yes. You, you saw last week I presented passages where Dave, or David says... May my hand spread out to you towards heaven, 
be as worthy as the evening incense time. And it came to be that while he was serving as priest before Elohim in the order of his division, according to the institute of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to burn incense when he went into the dwelling place of Yahuwah. And the entire crowd of people was praying, hold on, at the time that the incense is burning, all of the congregation is outside looking up going, what's going on? No, they're outside praying at the time of the offering of the incense. At that very hour. And remember the New Testament says Cornelius, he's praying and the angel comes before Cornelius. He's, he's visited. Daniel is praying. And the angel comes to him. These men are praying at this time. And they're, a, a, a messenger is dispatched to them. Because it's a holy hour. It's a special time. A messenger of Yahweh appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. What passage am I reading here today? Where's this from? Huh? Where is it? It's Luke. It's our. I didn't put the in there. I wanted to see what if you knew. So John the Baptist. It's our New Testament portion of Luke. So John the Baptist's dad, Zacharias, he's coming into the temple, and he's going to burn incense. And this is first century stuff here, or this is just maybe just prior to the first the end of the B.C., beginning of the, of the uh, A.D. And so Zacharias is in here. He's going in there to do his duty. And he's going to burn incense here on the altar. And what side of the altar did he say? stood. Now, is that important to know what side of the altar that the messenger stood? Yes. I think so. Because what's on the right side of the altar? Bob just kind of showed you there was, there was one thing that's on the right side of the altar. And it's called the bread of what? Bread of the presence. Remember the word presence. So at this hour of burning the incense, what happens again? Messenger comes to him just like Cornelius, just like Daniel. At this hour, oh, God can do it anytime he wants. Yeah, but he didn't. He chose that hour because it is a special hour. He didn't choose one. He didn't choose midnight. He chose here because the servant is in there doing what he's commanded to do. And this is the hour that God asked for the offering. Everyone's outside praying. They're on their knees. They're glorifying the king of heaven. And he's in there doing what has been commanded for 1,500 years. Go ahead. A question before I give it to Joe. Sure. Uh, would, would this have been uh, one of the three times they were in Jerusalem? Because it seems like there were a lot of people who were gathered there. Or was it, uh, do you think, just... Very, it, very, it very well could have been an appointed time as well. Yeah. Absolutely. It could have been the first day of unleavened bread. What if it was the very hour on the, that the Messiah died? What if it was uh, at 3 p.m. on Shavuot? We don't know, but we know that it's, it's the incense time and very well could have been a, another appointed time as well. Because it, it was a daily thing, right? Huh? It was a daily thing, twice a day, actually. Yes, this happens twice a day. Did you have a comment too, Joe? Yeah, standing on the right side in Hebrew... The reading is from the right to the left. So I thought that was interesting because uh, ancient Hebrew, everything was from the right to the left. I don't know if I put it up here, but if you read on in uh, Luke chapter 1, past verse 11, the angel tells Zacharias here, he says, I am who? Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of the Almighty. And he's on the right side of the altar of incense where the bread of the presence is at. 
Imagine that. The angel that stands in the presence of the Almighty is on the right side where the bread of the presence is at. He didn't go to the left side. He went to the right side because he knows in order, God's kingdom, there's an order, and there's a place that he stands because it's the angel before the presence. I love it when God gives things in an order. I found this in Josephus. And it says, But the altar of incense, by its thirteen kinds of sweet-smelling spices, with which the sea replenished it, signified that God is the possessor of all things, that are both in the uninhabitable and the habitable parts of the earth, and that they are all to be dedicated for his use. Hmm. Yes. Going back to the altar of incense mm -hmm. in verse 2, it talks about it being one cubit square. Yes. So we notice the tabernacle's already been designed. The priest have already been set in place. There's one thing left, and they bring up the altar of incense to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And the importance of the altar of incense being one cubic square, if you stop and think about it, that sets the dimensions for everything else. Everything is set off this unit. So the tabernacle is so many cubits, the ark is so many cubits, based on this one cubit. And there's only a few things in the world that are, one, are perfect cubes. The altar of incense, the holy of holies, the new Jerusalem, and the salt. So we are to be the salt of the world. So those cubes all tie together. Huh. Very interesting, very good. So I want to, I, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but on this altar of incense, you're saying it's the last thing mentioned here, and that's tying into the Day of Atonement. So I want to, we're going to bring that up here in just a minute. Okay. So, he says, do not offer strange incense on this altar, or a burnt offering or a grain offering, and do not pour a drink offering on it. I remember two guys doing a strange offering. Hmm. Joe has his hand up. He says, it says, remember that Elohim is forgiving. I'm sorry. Remember that he is forging a holy nation here. Prepared to live for and serve him alone. He's preparing a people for his own possession. Imagine this. You've all come to know his word. You're, you're digging in. You're loving it. You're, you're, you're being changed and you're being transformed. And all of a sudden you find out that there's a time of the day that you should be praying and giving an offering to him. That he expects it. He's building a nation. And he's transforming a people to be his holy possession. Joe. Yeah, God gave the... The while well, ago the question was asked was uh, what incense was burned. God gave uh, the formula for the type of incense that was to be burned. Okay, then it says do not offer strange incense. I was wondering if that was the incense that they were burning to the pagans. Who knows? But if you're going to do it for him in his place, he chose to place his name. You better do it the way he expected it. Yeah. Don't want to be doing things my way. I'm going to do it his way because he expects it to be done a certain way. You know, hey, I, 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 I can burn any incense I want. Come on, does it really have to be like that? And then two guys go in and they offer strange and they get what? They get zapped. Yes, Bob. The word zar or zare, so zayn resh in Hebrew. Yes. So in the scroll there are no vowel markings. Right. So Zar, or, as, um, or I should say Zer, also is for the crown on the ark, on the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. So you can pronounce that Zer, but then when you look at it and pronounce it Zar, it's in Exodus 29:33 for outsider, Exodus 39 for strange, and Exodus 30, 33 for outsider again, Zar. If we notice the three items I just mentioned, there's no czar or stranger in the courtyard. Yes. They're in the holy place, in the holy of holies. So us as strangers, 
though we may not be able to worship in corporate with the Jewish people are accepted, we are able to participate, and there will be a day in the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and we will be able to come to the ark. Amen. Well so said. Good job. Another hand up here, Valerie. So talking about the incense and how we can't just worship with whatever incense we want, there's, I mean, to us, we have a limited human perspective, so we can't see everything that the Father is planning to do. But there's a reason for everything he's planning to do. Like, for instance, just, just an example, the fact that we're keeping Shabbat on his Shabbat because it's prophetic. As we look into the future in Revelation, we're going to be gathering with the Messiah because that's the last day. That's the day we get to celebrate with our Messiah when the new kingdom comes and that's the wedding feast it represents the wedding feast when we will once again be reunited with our messiah like and oh my gosh it's going to be amazing face to face saying of messiah so so you know these things they they also have like not only are we commanded to do it now but there's a spiritual reason for it there's yes. a oftentimes a prophetic reason for it yes like how we keep the shabbat and i even though I don't understand from my human, li limited human perspective why he chose the incense that he chose, that I trust that there's a reason for it. There's a reason he specifies these things, it's and kinda, we need to understand that. It's kind of like the linen. Man wants to know why. And they find, the military finds out that the linen uh, uh, pr protects the body against radiation. And so they would put it on the soldiers... Uh, to protect them if they're coming close to radiation or if a bomb went off, it protects them from radiation. So that linen guarded the priesthood when they're coming before the presence. Because remember Moses, his face is, is lit up. His face is shiny. Before the presence of the Almighty, they were to wear linen. We don't have to know why. It's for our good when our Heavenly Father instructs us. We just need to do it. We'll reap the benefits. We just got to be obedient. Yes. So, Mark, I wanted to um, circle back around when we were talking about how we can come before Yah with um, sacrifices of our prayers and yes. lifting of our hands. And the thought came to me when he said, no strange uh, incense. Yes. He said, we are to come with the clean hands yes. and a pure heart. So, if, if you remember when the Messiah, the guy's going to bring his offering. And the guy has problems and the Messiah says, you need to go and make things right before you bring this offering because he didn't have clean hands. And so there's a way to approach the creator of heaven and earth, not our way, but his way. And I wanted to mention this, since it says don't bring strange, unauthorized incense, let's just say strange, unauthorized prayer. Is there a, we, obviously we know there's a time that God wants a prayer to be made. We've just made that real clear in Scripture, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Is there a way when you come at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. to approach him? And I'm going to submit to you, and I, I, I didn't put it in here today. I can give you an example because I, I remember how Daniel does it. But if you go back and you read Daniel, when Daniel gets visited by the messenger, and how it, 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 it lays out there, Daniel is saying what he was doing, and it says that Daniel started off, Exactly what we do when we're doing uh, the, the, the opening liturgy. Daniel said, I glorified the king of kings and I magnified him for all of his deeds, for all that he does. I exalted him for all the things that he has done and will do. He doesn't even begin any requests yet. There's nothing about what he needs or that anyone else needs. He starts off by exalting the king and magnifying him for who he is. That's the opening of the right prayer. I mean, we should be exalting him. Does he not know what we need, what our, our needs and wants are? Yes. So we should be instead of, you know, hey, what I, I got to have this, I got to have that, thank you, I got to go. Where was the exalting? We're coming before, he's going to say here in a minute, Malachi, I am a righteous and holy king, a great king, I magnified in the nations. We're coming before the creator of heaven and earth, for Pete's sake. That's, where's the awe? Where's the reverence? Where's the, 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 
the, the humility, the humbleness, where is the right attitude, let's, when we're coming before the king, let's remember, remember, before we worship, we offered a Thanksgiving offering. That's the right approach before we come to worship. Yes. Thank you. Amen. When we come to God, I think, thank him for his love, for his forgiveness, for his mercy, for his justice, for his goodness, Amen. all, the, all Amen. the other above. Amen. Amen. Gary has his hand up behind you, and then we come back to Leota. You know, Yeshua gave us the Lord's Prayer as an example. He starts <laughs> out, you know, hallowed be thy name right off the bat. Amen. Amen. And then Leota. Yeah. There is a morning prayer that I try to remember to say every morning. It's Modani and Modani Leveneka Melakai Bekayam. It's the morning prayer. The first thing you wake up, your eyes say Modani. Lord, we give you thanks for your presence. And um, I forgot. There's something else. <laughs> but Modani. Yes. It, there is a way to approach the king. Amen. Yes, right here. Well, I know that um, not everybody does the Amidah, but the Amidah is set up that specific way. And when the Jewish people say the Amidah, they actually take three steps forward, like they're approaching the king. And then when they're finished, they take three steps backwards because they're leaving the common behind and coming into his presence. Yep. And then as the prayers are done, I can't remember it right now, but the, the first three are like establishing who he is. And yes. then the next... 13, I think, are going through different needs or whatever we need. And then the last ones are thanking, or I might have it backwards. But there's an actual um, pattern to the Amidah. And I, like I said, I can't remember right now, but there is one. It certainly changed me. And that learning that and watching Daniel, just when you look at Daniel's prayer, look at Cornelius. Do, look at these ones that give the examples and then... What the Amidah, it's, it's in unity. They're the same thing. There's an approach before a king, a right way, and I see it in text. I see it in, in the Amidah. I see it. This is the right way to come before him. So there's a right time. There's a right way. That way it's not strange. And you wonder why, hmm, why did God dispatch messengers at this hour, at this prayer? Maybe they came at the right time. They approached him the right way. They did things that were acceptable. And he was like, I'm pleased. You know, think of this. King Solomon is dedicating the altar. And he's glorifying God. Just go back and read the prayer. He's magnifying the king. God is so pleased. And this is at 3 p.m., God's so pleased with Solomon's prayer. What happens? Fire comes down from heaven and ignites the altar for the first time. Elijah is mocking the false prophets. Started at noon. They had their time. Elijah's probably going, they don't know the right time to approach. He lets them go all, he lets them go hours. But when three o'clock comes, Elijah goes, now it's my turn. And he prepares the offering and prepares the wood. And he glorifies the king of kings and magnifies his holy name in front of all of these idiots that don't know what to do. And God's so happy that he presented at the right time and the right way. Fire comes down from heaven and not only ignites the altar, but it says that the fire burned up the wood and consumed the water. All of it was completely taken up. Now, if you can't see that God's, a, he's pleased by a certain method and way, I don't want to approach him my way. I want results. These men approached him away and they got results. Yes. Who did you say that um, prays at noon? Huh? Did you say that people pray at noon? Some do pray at noon. David said he prayed at midnight. All yes, right. you can. You can pray at, at 6 a.m. You can pray at 2 a.m. But you, in my opinion, you better bring it at the time he asked for it. I do it at 9, noon, and 3. Perfect. That's the way Daniel did it. Okay, we have a hand in the back. 
I like it when you guys get involved. <laughs> We're learning together. So when the, um, speaking of the fire, when the fires of tongues came upon the apostles, I know that was on Shavuot. Do you happen to know if it was at the appointed time of, of prayer? Of course it is. Yes, of course it is. And guess what they did? So what, this is a great example. So watch this. They're at the, they're at the uh, and I can't remember, I think it actually says the, in the text, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., it's the morning or evening offering, the hour of prayer. So they're coming, they're at the temple, and it's the, I mean, just like here, they're outside. The people are outside praising and praying and glorifying God, just like they're doing on the feast, like, like Mike said, it's a feast time, it's a, the hour of prayer. And what does it say that they say in tongues in, in Acts 2? What does it say? They are declaring the glory and mighty deeds of Yahuwah. That's what they're doing. They're declaring the mighty deeds of God at that hour, at that time. And all the Holy Spirit, it's like the fire coming out. The Holy Spirit is says, you're doing it right. Here it comes. Get ready. Boom. And nails them with it. Yes. Go ahead. So one thing that also came to mind when I was reading that is that they were of one accord. Yes. Echad. Echad. I mean, everybody's phone's going off, and you're all together. Like, imagine the wave. People on the East Coast, they start at their nine, and it's just moving across the whole earth, moving everywhere as people are now getting it. And these offerings, this incense at 9 and 3 p.m., commenced again, and it's going all over the earth. And I guarantee you the enemy doesn't like it. Doesn't like it that we're giving him an offering and glorifying the King of Heaven. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Verse 10, And Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. On what horns? Where they burn the animal or where they're doing the incense? So think of this. If this is this is very important based on the light we're talking about in the context. This is the altar of incense that it's referring to. He's coming in and he's going to make atonement on this altar of incense. And as Tammy pointed out earlier, it's the last stage of the day of atonement, except what they're going to do inside with the ark. So they've already done their, their, they've already killed the animal out on the bronze altar. And they're coming in here and they're going to do this. What time do you think this atonement's being made on this altar of incense? 5 p.m.? No! It's at one of these two times, 9 a.m. or 3 p.m. And I would, I would be willing to submit to you that it's the 3 p.m. time. It's very likely that the burning of the animal was at 9 a.m. And the sprinkling of the blood on this altar to make final atonement is at 3 p.m. I mean, this is the way God works. You don't come into him and say, you know what, I'm, we're going to tr just trample in there. By the way, how many of you know the scripture says, I am tired of the trampling of my courts. Do you know what that means? That they're coming in and they're doing the things at their time and not the way that he said. They're doing it the way they want to do it, not the way the king of kings said to do it. They're trampling the courts. Wrong. Approach the king the right way. We're going to see, as Malachi says, he's sick of the wrong offering too. Don't bring your own filthy offering. Bring what I ask. Okay. Ezra 9.5 But at the evening offering I arose from my humiliation with my garment and my robe torn. I fell on my knees and stretched out my hands toward God. I'm reaching out to heaven at the evening offering time praying and worshiping God and magnifying His holiness. I'm giving you examples, people. Psalm 141.2 He says, May my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting of my hands at the evening offering time. Hallelujah, glory to God. He may be saying the Shema. He may be whatever, but I guarantee you, he's exalting him for his righteous holy deeds and how awesome and great he is. And Daniel 9, 21, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness. 
about the time of the evening offering. And I didn't put Cornelius up here, but Cornelius tells them at the same exact time, the evening offering time, the angel comes to him. People, we've got to see the, 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 the example. We've got to see the, the pattern here. This is important. Let's get it. God's shaking us up. Come to me at the time I'm asking for it and watch what I do for you. Hallelujah. I'm tired of you doing it whenever you think it's right. Come to me when I'm asking for you to come. Be like saying, hey, I can come with some other blood other than Messiah's blood. I can get salvation through something else. No, you can't, Mike. But when I was uh, reading the Luke account uh, this morning, uh, even you're talking about Zechariah, the, the angel Gabriel appeared at one of the, probably the 3 p.m. hour. Yes. But thinking about Mary, he appeared to Mary too, and I'm sure... She was probably just having her one of her daily, you know, prayer times, and the angel was there. And uh, I even thought, even when she visited her her relative Elizabeth, and it says that when she spoke, John in in the womb of Elizabeth leaped for joy. Yes, because he 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 knew he was in the presence of the Messiah, and. Uh, I'm wondering if that too was at one of the, the seven so I think you're touching on another example. We're seeing it all over the place. We've seen example after example of the messenger coming to the people at the time they're offering a prayer at God's request, at the time that he requests. I believe you're right that she's offering an offering at that time and the angel's dispatched to go to her. And what about this? At the hour that our Messiah dies on the stake... 3 p.m., his mother is on her knees with her hands stretched out towards heaven, praying and worshiping the God of heaven, and the angel is just, God says, go to her now, and I'm going to give her the name of the one who's coming to save at 3 p.m. The name of the Messiah is coming to her at the evening offering time. Of course, where else would you expect it to come? Yes. Yeah, you know, just looking at these scriptures, uh, I was thinking my own life, you know, you go through all this uh, stuff during the daytime, you know, you're broken, your robe is torn, you're, uh, you're weak, everything is gone. And then that's when you should pray before God. Uh, I still come, I, well, I was sticking in prayer and asking God for his grace and his mercy came to me in my extreme witness about the evening prayer, or evening offering, offering to prayer that whatever's happened that day, that he knows he's in control and everything. Amen. Example, example, example. I love it when God gives us examples. Revelation 5.8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and what? Golden bowls of incense which are what the prayers for the saints remember this incense only goes up at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. and this is for the prayers of the saints the exact time that the people here in God are praying to God Revelation 8 3 and another angel came and stood at the altar with the golden censer this is at the altar of incense and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne this is after the death and resurrection of the Messiah. Come on, people. This is still going on in heaven. Nothing has changed. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing different about our God. He is the holy, He's righteous and true, and He's given us a way to worship. That's my God. They're doing it when He comes back. They're doing it up there now. We've got a high priest up there officiating at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Why, let's join him when he's offering the incense. Let's join him in prayer. Moses next receives instructions for kindling the sanctuary's regular light, the Ner Tamid, more commonly known as a perpetual or eternal light. We further read of the alt incense altar, which is to be used when the lamps are tended in the morning and when they are kindled at night. This altar is to be reconsecrated once every year at the Day of Atonement, which we just showed. All right, Exodus 27, 20. I'm going back a couple of chapters. 
You shall charge the sons of Israel, and they shall bring you clear oil of beaten olives to the light to make a lamp burn continually. So here we've got the prayers going on at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., and right next to the incense being burned is the light shining. The light shining. And right across on the other side is the bread of presence. This is God's Word. This is the Holy Spirit. We've got these things showing us what's going on. And somebody said to me, but what's the oil? Well, Gary's song, we sang it today. Did you catch it? The oil of the Torah tonight? I mean, it's there. I mean, it's, the oil is God's Word. Israel, like the olive, why does Jeremiah call Israel a verdant olive tree, fair with choice fruit? It's because like the olive, Israel is beaten and ground up. You guys are going through all kinds of issues. You're going through trials and tribulations. But that has to happen to bring the pure oil. Amen? So don't complain about the trials because you've got to go through the trials to get the pure oil out. An allegory uh, lamp can be seen to the acrostic of soul and spirit, a soul with a spirit, and if you'll notice in this word for lamp, uh, it is, you can see the two letters here are the same for um, nephesh, so it's ner, uh, on the left, ne lamp is, is, is ner, and so you see nephesh, ruach, so you have the, the first letter of, of, of ner and the last letter of ner representing the first two letters of the, the ruach, uh, hakodesh, the, the spirit of the souls. So it's a really awesome picture that we see of what this light is. What happens? We get lit up. We start praying at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. We're going to get ignited. We're going to get lit up. Something's going to happen. I guarantee you when Daniel was praying at, at, at 3 p.m. and the angel came, he got lit up. When Cornelius was praying at 3 p.m., the angel comes, he gets lit up. The reason people aren't getting lit up is they're not approaching the king at the right time. Let's join together and let's get lit up. Amen. Amen. Ralphie. One, the one thing I think is interesting in some of this when we're reading, I'm finding for myself, going back and understanding the context or the historical <laughs> part of it. And when you go back and you see how the oil lamps were designed back then, maybe the best to explain it would be if any of you have gone camping and you've got those kerosene, it has the wick. Well, if any of you have camped, you light it up, great, you've got your light. But it will go out if you do not maintain <laughs> that wick. Yeah. You, know, you can have all the oil in the world, <laughs> but if you don't maintain that, and that's the same principle yes. on the, the wicks themselves. It's, it's a daily, daily thing. process of maintaining because we yep. all can be lights, but if we're not maintaining it, then we're going to go out. Amen, it's amen. Simple. Yes, Valerie. Valerie and then Leota. <laughs> So as we're talking about how the oil comes from our trials because the Father uses it to refine us, and it brought in a whole new understanding to this passage that, I've, that I know in James. Uh, James 1, 2, and 3, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, yes. knowing that the proving of your belief works, in, uh, works endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Amen, amen. Well said. Leota. Um, originally, uh, the Hebrew had the word soul. <clears throat> Excuse me up there like you're saying. Yes. It was... <clears throat> Nefesh. Elohim used the word soul. But the Catholic Church came in and changed that, putting the soul subservient to the spirit. So most of the times, if you check out the Hebrew, it's not spirit, it's the word soul. And each of us has a soul. Yes. Part of, part of God that's in our bodies is part of God's soul. So when we come together, we're coming together as one soul. Yes. Not necessarily spirit, it's yes. a soul. And when you learn about the soul, it's much deeper than spirit. Amen, well said. Okay. So the light for God and humankind, when, Israel's lights, when Israel lights the menorah, it gives light, as it were, to God, even as God gives light to Israel. They also said, as the oil gives light, so did the temple give light to the whole world. 
as the prophet says, a nation shall walk by your light. Those who study Torah give light wherever they are. The near timid, the regular light, why does Proverbs 6.23 say, for the commandment, the mitzvah, is a light? Because just as a light is not diminished when a flame is kindled from it, so those who do God's deeds that he asks us to do, meaning give charity and do the, the deeds of, of his word, are not thereby diminished in their possessions. So when you give, when you, when you give out of your heart, your finances aren't diminished. Amen? So is the Torah, the oil, Gary's song expresses it. All right. I think it's the last one. Verse 6. And you shall put this altar in front of the veil that is near the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is over the ark of the testimony, where I will, the Greek word is, recognize you. You see, when you come before him and you offer your, at the time, God's recognizing who you are because you came at his appointment and not your own or mankind's. He's recognizing something is unique here. When you stick the right key in a lock, the lock recognizes the key because it's got the right notches in it. You try to put another key in there, it ain't, the lock doesn't recognize the key. But when we come and we're offering our prayers at the time that God asked for it, all of heaven goes, whoa, what was that? Oh, look. There they are. Look, right there. It's at, yeah, 3 p.m. They're offering an offering. Hallelujah. And all heaven rejoices that you're coming at the time, and they recognize you for following God's word. Yes. I think it's funny when you said recognize, because a lot of our phones, people put on their facial recognition, and you pick <laughs> up your phone, and, and you're recognized right away. And <laughs> Well, it's like that same example, but God is... Higher, he recognizes you faster he than that. He recognizes you. Amen. Maybe he doesn't forget us. Amen. <laughs> Maybe yep. we're there all the time before yep. his presence. Yep. We're recognized. Yeshua says, I didn't know you. I didn't recognize you. You came at your own time. You did things your own way. I didn't recognize you. So when we stand in judgment, we want to be recognized because we, right. we don't want to hear the words, I never knew you. That's right. We stand in judgment. We want to be recognized. Yes. We don't want to be a stranger. That's the strange offering, amen? All right, before jumping into our prophet portion of Malachi, I want to take just a sidebar at two things. And one of them is, once in a while I see something in Scripture that's really interesting, and I want to share with you what I saw. In Ezekiel 43.15, this is all about the new, the new temple uh, that's going to be during the, the Messiah's millennial reign. It says, The altar earth shall be four cubits, and from the altar earth shall extend upwards four horns. The Hebrew word for altar earth is har el, and that means mountain of God. Now that's pretty amazing. <laughs> They're calling this place, this altar, the altar or the mountain of God. Well, of course, this is where the burning is going to take place, right? This is where the consuming is. What happened on Mount Sinai when the king came? It was a consuming fire. This is where things were burnt. The foundation on the ground, literally the bosom of the earth, Ezekiel expression reflects the idiom of his environment, which often referred to temples in such fashion. A metaphor, the altar's depth goes to the bosom of the earth, while its top, the earth, where the fire burnt, represents the heavens and is called Har-El, mountain of Elohim. Ezekiel seems to have seen the ideal altar as a miniature ziggurat, the old Mesopotamian temple structure. The temple itself is a miniature of what later would be called the universe. Wow. Cool stuff. And then one other thing, one other sidebar. So I, I typed in House of Israel. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. And my program allows me to show where the house of Israel comes up in Scripture and where it's the most, where it's the least. And notice <laughs> where it's appearing the most. And it goes all the way from Leviticus all the way into Revelation, talking about the house of Israel. You people. But it's predominantly way more than anything else 
in Ezekiel, and that's where it's talking about the dry bones coming to life. The dry bones getting breathed on and coming up and raising up because the, the, the house of Israel no longer is dead. No longer is laying there. The, the house of Israel is being brought to life again as a living structure to glorify God. And all of heaven has rejoiced because the sons of God have been revealed. Amen? Okay. Now we're going to go into Malachi just for, before we jump into the New Testament portion. So bear with us. I know I'm running a little long. But I wanted to give you some context of, of Malachi. So here's Malachi here. The book of Malachi is way after the Israelites are restored here from captivity. And they go into captivity right here. Okay? Notice from the time that they are, they go into captivity to the time that they're decreed to come out, the 70 years, right? But Malachi is way over here, way after all that stuff happens. So with that being said, now that you know where this happens at, let's look and see what Malachi has to say. A son esteems his father and a servant his master. But if I am the father, where is my esteem? Now you know why Daniel is glorifying him before he even begins anything else. Why uh, uh, all of the men of God are glorifying him. They're esteeming him for who he is because that's what you should be doing. And if I'm a master, where is my fear, my respect, my reverence? Says Yahuwah Zevaot to you priests who despise my name. But you asked... In what way have we despised your name? How did we do that? You are presenting defiled food on my altar, but you say, in what way did we defile you? It's because you say, the table of Yahuwah is despicable. And when you present the blind as a slaughtering, is it not evil? Remember, it's supposed to be perfect, right? When you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? I'm saying this because if we bring an offering from the lips and it's not right, how much more is what he's saying here, those offerings coming and the animals aren't right? People think they can approach this king anyway, but watch what he says. Bring it then to your own governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says Yahweh Zavod? And now entreat the face of El, God Almighty, to show favor to us. This has been done by your hands. Would he show favor to you, says Yahweh Zavod? Who among you, who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar for nothing? I have no pleasure in you, said Yahweh Zavod, nor do I accept an offering from your hands or your lips. Going on to verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to its going down, my name is great among the goyim, the nations. And who are the nations? Remember back over in Genesis, when he comes down and tells Abraham, you're going to be a father of nations. My name's going to be great among the seed of Abraham. Those people I'm raising up in the last day that are going to come back to my word. My name's going to be great among them because they're going to search my name. They're going to call my name. They're going to call it out and they're going to profess it. And they're going to come to me a righteous way. And in every place, Mesa, Gilbert, Chandler, where incense is given to my name, And a clean offering, for my name is great among the nations, the seed of Abraham, declares the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Zavot. This is heavy, weighty stuff, people. God wants it done the right way. And he's training up the nations, the seed of Abraham, to do it the right way. By the way, this word, every place, is the Hebrew word makom, and it means a rising up. Everywhere that it rises up, 
Every time at 9 a.m. and 3 a.m. when living Messiah all is saying the Shema, it's rising up and my name is being magnified in every place. Whoo, that's so awesome. I'm so glad to be a part of that. But you are profaning me in that you say the table of Yahweh is defiled and its fruit, its food is despicable. The word table here is shulchan. The meaning is table or more generally a place of eating. Oh yes, you say, you mean the, the place where they offered the animals and burned them? It's a place of eating? You better believe it. The Lord God Almighty calls that His food. He says, this offering is my food and that incense is a sweet smell to me. Just like when you lay your tacos or your enchiladas or your lasagna, or whatever your favorite food is, it's a sweet smell to you. I know when Polly puts that stuff on our table, it's a sweet smell to me. Here the emphasis is on the meal rather than the table itself. This is true of the table of showbread also. Ezekiel 44, 7, When you brought in foreigners, nekar, that which is foreigner, uncircumcised in heart, uncircumcised in flesh to be in my sanctuary to profane it, even my house, when you offered what? My food. The fat and the blood, for they made my covenant void. This is an addition to all the other abominations that you do. Trampling the courts. Trampling the courts. Mmm. And you said, oh, what weariness. And you sneered at it, said Yahweh And you brought in plunder, the lame and the sick. You have brought in the offering. Should I accept it from you? But cursed be the deceiver who has made, who has a male in his flock and makes a vow, but is slaughtering to Yahweh that which is blemished. Cursed be the man who has a clean offering and brings something that's not clean. Whoa. How much more if we're coming with the fruit of our lips and we don't bring what's right? He says, For I am a great king, says Yahweh Zavot, and my name will be feared amongst the seed of Abraham, the nations. Let's look at our New Testament portion as we get ready to close. Luke 1 8, and it came to be that while he was, well, I already put this up for you. The messenger appears to him standing on the right side of the altar. When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fell in fear. But the messenger says to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife, Elisheba, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Yochanan. And you shall have joy and gladness, and, may, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great before Yahweh, and shall drink no wine and strong drink at all. And he shall be filled with the set-apart spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he shall turn many of the children of Israel to Yahweh their Elohim. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. I'm going to explain this to you, what this means in Hebrew idiom. What is the hearts of David? What's the heart of Elijah? What's the heart of Abraham? It's to obey what God Almighty has said to them. So Elijah's job, oh yes, as Christ is coming, he's preparing a people that's going to be like the forefathers to have a heart to obey that everything that God said. And there's no New Testament written, so they're talking about everything that's in the Old Testament. He's preparing people to be obedient to what God said in the Old Testament before Messiah comes because this is what God's wanting them to do. He's preparing them. Why prepare them for four year, or for 13 years and then kick it out? That doesn't even make sense. If you're going to prepare somebody for something, you're going to prepare them because it's something that's concrete. It's eternal. It's going on. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, so that the children have a heart like the Father to be obedient to the Master. Wow. 
Make them ready, a people prepared for Yahuwah. And Zechariah said to the messenger, By what shall I know this? For I am old, my wife is advanced to years. And the messenger answered him and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of Elohim, and was sent to speak to you and announce to you this good news. But look, you're going to be silent and unable to speak to, until the day that it takes place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be Somebody look in your Greek there and tell me what word means, what, what's the word here fulfilled? I'll tell you in advance. It's the word fulfilled in Matthew 5.17. Pleru, that's right. Which means it's going to happen, it's going to take place, not done away with. Same word in Matthew 5.17. So I want to look at an example of what it would look like for us to kindle the light and offer incense continually. Luke 2.36 And there was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived her, with her husband seven years from the time she was a virgin. So she's virgin, she lives with her husband seven years. Whatever happens to the husband, she dies. and she's, So now from, from that time of you know, let's say somewhere between 14 and 18, she becomes married, so add seven of that. From that time of her mid-20s until 80, right? And she was a widow until she was 84. But she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. Here's a woman after God's heart. Here's a woman that is de dedicated to the Almighty. She's in there at the 9 a.m. prayer. She's there at the 3 p.m. And she says, you know what? I, I can't get enough. I'm going at noon. I'm going at 6. I'm going every time they'll let me come in there. Here's a woman that's doing something so awesome. By the way, she's a prophetess. Oh yeah, she's speaking to men. She's giving men words. All the men shut their ears and they didn't want to hear what she had to say. Really. Oh, she's a woman, can't hear what she's going to say. Come on. She's spoken of so awesomely because of what she is doing by her deeds of prayer and dedication. Weeping and fasting before the Almighty. Would you stand with me? Every branch that does not bear fruit, God Almighty prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful seven times more. A child of Elohim was once overwhelmed by the number of afflictions that seemed to target her. As she walked past a vineyard during the rich glow of autumn, she noticed its untrimmed appearance and the abundance of leaves still on the vines. The ground had been overtaken by a tangle of weeds and grass, and the entire place appeared totally unkept. While she pondered this sight, she heard the Spirit say to her something that changed her. What might that be? The message was this. My dear child, are you questioning the number of trials in your life? This may speak to you, so pay attention. Remember the vineyard and learn from it. The gardener stops pruning and trimming the vine or weeding the soil only when he expects nothing more from the vine during that season. He leaves it alone because its fruitfulness is gone and further effort now would yield no profit. In the same way, Freedom from suffering leads to uselessness. Do you not want me to stop pruning your life? Shall I leave you alone, my dear child? And she cries out, No, master. No. Don't leave me alone. Bring the trials and prune me. Bring me to my place of worship and humbleness before you. Bring me to that place that I want to be. Don't take your hand off of me. I know that you'll be with me through the trial. I know you'll be with me through the temptations. I know you'll bring me through it. Be with me, mighty one of Israel, and see me through. May that be our prayer today. 
as you've learned about the lighting of the lamp, as you've learned about the kindling, as you've learned about the, the, the altar of incense and your dedication of bringing offerings to the Most High, let it be your prayer to not stop leaving you alone, not stop bringing the trials. Know that they are for your purpose. They are for your good to bring you to a better place. I'll restate Malachi 1.11. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place that prayer is offered up in my name, I am great among the goyim. Father, we thank you so much for this word today. We thank you for challenging us, encouraging us, lifting us up, giving us understanding and revelation about your word. Because, Father, it truly helps us. We're revived by your words. We're revived and encouraged. So thank you, Father, for doing that for us today as we magnify you and glorify you and exalt you for your goodness and your awesomeness. We praise you in Master Yeshua's name. Amen. Now we get to say, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Hey! Hey! everybody online for joining us. Thank you all here. Have a blessed rest of your Shabbat and stay in Eden Fellowship. Shabbat Shalom.